You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Good to be with you today. We're together each and every day from 3 to 5. And uh, that's great news for uh, many of you because you're going to be on the road from 3 to 5 when you didn't used to be because of the 10 freeway. So anyway, we're glad to have you join us today. And, uh, you know, we live in a crazy time, that is for sure, uh, with so many things going on. My guest is Pastor Philip DeCourcy. He's the senior pastor of Kindred Community Church in Anaheim Hills, California. You can also hear him on his program, Know the Truth, heard weekdays here and over 600 radio stations and platforms, including KKLA 99.5 in Los Angeles and surrounding counties, 10.30 a.m. every day, and 6.30 a.m. on K-Praise in San Diego, 11 a.m. on KDAR in Oxnard, uh, and that's just uh, the coastal the coastal areas here of Southern California. Welcome, Pastor Philip DeCourcy. Pastor, how are you? Doing well, Scott, and it's great to be on the program with you and uh, join with our listeners here at KKLA. Yeah, great to have you on the show, and uh, you, uh, you're not affected by this uh, crazy freeway closure, are you? No, thankfully, um, I choose my times to go onto the freeways, but um, it's got to be tough for those who are on a commute home and all the disturbance. That's uh, just pray that people don't lose it today. <laughs> yeah, it's going to take uh, some time for people. But, uh, you know, uh, we live in a time where you know freeway closures and those kinds of things happen. But I think there are things that people are more concerned about. And, you know, speaking as as men, and you've got a conference coming up at your church. Uh, it's called the War on Men Conference. Um, let's talk about that for a while. Where did that title, uh, you know, how did you land on that title? Yeah, we're excited about this. Uh, Scott's coming this Thursday, the 16th, uh, from about 7.30 in the morning till mid-afternoon. Uh, we've got almost 600 men signed up, and people can join us on live stream for free. And uh, the reason we have chosen this subject, because it's just a reality. It's what our men are living. It's what we see and we hear in the political discourse within our country. We want to flip the script because today there's a lot of talk about toxic masculinity. But real, the real truth is there's a toxic war on masculinity. And we want to address that on Thursday. We're certainly not going to whitewash the sins of men uh, any more than we would whitewash the sins of women. On the other hand, there's, I think, a deliberate satanic and an unholy war against men as God has defined masculinity, and certainly as it relates to the call to leadership on the part of man uh, given by God, both in the home and the church and and out in the community. And so what we're going to do, we've got, uh, besides myself, we've got uh, two wonderful guest speakers, uh, Dr. Owen Strahan, who's just actually written a book called The War on Men. That's that's a giveaway at the conference. In fact, uh, Salem Books uh, published it, and we're excited about it. I've read it. It's excellent. And Owen's going to address the book and set this war in the context of the culture. And then uh, Pastor Mike Fabares of Compass Bible Church in Elisa Viejo 
is speaking about um, men in the home and the need to disciple boys into men. And then I'm coming up uh, at the rear, the closing bat, so to speak, and I'm going to address um, the measure of manhood or the measure of a man. I'm going to look at the the role of an elder in the church and how an elder and the, how he's described in First Timothy is kind of a profile, an epitome, if I might put it that way, of what masculinity ought to be. Because while all men cannot be elders, um, the elder is to be an example of godly manhood. And so we're, we're kind of looking at the culture, addressing what's going on, helping men get their bearings, and um, helping them to push back on this toxic war on masculinity. And then we're trying to encourage them, at least on two major fronts, uh, in terms of uh, discipling the next generation, uh, turning boys into men, not, um, not, not into girls, and, uh, turn, and, and also what is manhood? How does the Bible define masculinity? So I'm, I'm really excited. I think men are lost, Scott, in mm. many ways, or they're, they're, they're desiring to hear a rallying call because there's, they know innately God has called them um, to, you know, uh, leadership, uh, to take the charge, uh, to provide and protect, um, to be a voice for God in the culture. And um, that voice is being muted, uh, both in the culture, turned down in the church. And I think men, um, you know, are excited uh, when they can get together with other men and, um, you know, be reminded of their... Uh, original calling at creation and I in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, I've got two boys, 14 and 11. They are James and John, the sons of thunder. Mm. And I'm, a, we didn't name them that on purpose. It's actually grandparents' <laughs> names, but uh, you know, we're certainly aware of the, yes. uh, and you know, it's been, I've been just very much in prayer and thinking about the age where they're in and the world that they're coming into as men. Uh, and they have to deal with some pressures and some attitudes about men that I don't think I even had to deal with. You know, the the attacks on masculinity, the expectations, the putting down of men, you know, pretty much all of the movies and other things that media that they might consume and conversation is anti-men. And uh, I'm my 14-year-old, we've been talking a little bit about that. And, you know, I think he's aware that it's wrong. It gives me some hope, but at the same time as a dad, uh, I feel like I've got to be involved here to talk about what this is. What What do you think uh, fathers should be teaching their sons about men, manhood? Well, certainly it begins with what you've just said, that we need to recognize uh, we are in a war, a toxic war on masculinity. And there are factors and forces behind it that we must not be ignorant of. Look, and in one sense, there's nothing new under the sun, right, Ecclesiastes. But in another sense, when we get to Second Timothy 3, there's a certain, you know, social culture and context that will mark the last days, a godlessness, uh, a, a, a selfishness. Um, we, we're constantly reminded as believers, Romans 12, that the, the culture uh, that has fallen and unredeemed and not yet under the lordship of Jesus Christ, and that's why we await his return, that, that culture will press in upon us as the church and try and, you know, 
uh, push us and press us into its mold. And so you and I, as men and as fathers and as as pastors, we need to help our young men and men in general to not be squeezed into this present cultural mold, which is so um, antithetical to biblical manhood. I mean, in the book by Owen Strachan, he, he talks about, uh, you know, the assault on the nuclear family, the, mm. which is real. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, down with the patriarchy, the, the future is feminine. And, and uh, we've seen it, you know, uh, uh, throughout history, we've seen it in, in secularism, Marxism. We saw it in the BLM movement, this attack on, on God's design for uh, the, the community and the culture, which is a, a man who's the head of his home, who's in a, in a covenant marriage relationship with a female uh, who he will provide and protect and love selflessly. And then together they will produce children after their image, male and female. And, and that family unit will seek to exercise dominion over the earth for God's glory as they reflect his image. And that model, that cornerstone, which is always been at the at the forefront of good civilizations, that's completely under attack. You've got militant mm. feminism, which is real today, uh, where we have women defining themselves apart from man, apart from marriage. There's a there's a an innate almost hatred for men. And and uh you know you've got uh, uh, theologically the attack on the fatherhood of God and um, the created order of male headship in the church and in the home and beyond. You've got androgyny. You think about also the, the, the fear culture our boys and men are growing up in, Scott, which is adverse to the call to courage and risk-taking, That's which right. is at the heart of manhood. And, and then you've got wokeness. You've got the cancel culture. You've got loss of work. You've got uh, limited expressions of work that suit masculinity. And, and so this is a cocktail that is working against um, God's design for man's fulfillment and happiness. And so in, in terms of discipling your boys and in terms of, of us helping men, at least we, we need to diagnose the problem um, uh, before we can give the prognosis and what's good. So I'd, I'd, I'd start there. Let's acknowledge that there is a unique, maybe last day's attack going on in the world and in the culture that's flipping God's script. And um, we as the church, at least, well, if we, if we can control the culture or we're losing influence in the culture, we certainly can control our own culture in the church, which ought to be that which promotes, um, you know, uh, manhood and masculinity as God has designed it. Yeah, you're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Pastor Philip DeCourcy and the Entrust 2023 Men's Conference called The War on Men is coming up. It is November 16th. It's on Thursday, and it's 8.30 in the morning to 2.30 in the afternoon. It is sold out, actually, at the location, but everybody can join um, for free online to live stream it at entrustconference.org, entrustconference.org. Pastor, um, we're talking about men in masculinity. What would you say? are biblical traits of of masculinity. Like when we talk about this, you know, I yep. think you just said, you know, courage and being fearless is and you know, not in not being adverse to risk taking. I think those are all huge. Those are majorly on my mind with my kids right now that you need yeah, to be able and, to and, take a risk. Yeah, I love it. And and I wrote down some things before I come on the broadcast thinking you might ask me that. And look, at, at the baseline I would say this. 
there's a lot in common between a man and a woman. We share a lot. We maybe even share more in commonality than we do in difference. Um, but there is a distinction. There, are, there is a distinction physically. There is a distinction functionally. And, and we would be disobedient and we would be ignorant and we would do ourselves a great disservice to eradicate those differences and, 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 and not to recognize some of the unique callings and characteristics that mark manhood. I, I mean, I wrote down some things. Number one, man ought to reflect the image of God. Uh, we are we are made in His image, and therefore we need to be, uh, you know, those who reflect God's image. We ought to be disciples of the man Christ Jesus. Uh, our our Savior was a man, and He displayed masculinity from honoring His mother to helping the poor to showing such bravery and courage as He approached the cross. His commitment to God's plan for his life, his furthering of God's kingdom, his self-sacrifice, all of that. Jesus Christ is is a, 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 the epitome of masculinity. I love that phrase in the Bible, Scott, the man Christ Jesus. Remember how Pilate mm. yeah. pushes him out to the front of the pavement? Behold the man. And we need to, as men, you know, um, I, I can't put an image of Christ on my wall, uh, and that might be a violation of one of the commandments, but I need to constantly <laughs> remind myself that uh, don't, I've always never particularly liked the word hero, but I'll use it. Jesus mm. is my hero. Jesus is, is my, my model. I think men ought to be marked by work and, and, and um, exercise dominion. Um, man is the primary breadwinner, I believe, in the home, uh, according to Thessalonians and other passages. If he doesn't provide for his home, he's worse than an infidel. We've got all kinds of um, proverbs addressed to my son that talk about work and, mm. and diligence. And, and men uh, ought to be workers. They ought not to be lazy. They ought not to be passive. They ought to have ambitions where they subdue they exercise dominion over the creation in creative, positive ways that helps build society and, and civilization. They marry and have children uh, for the most part. Um, singleness is the exception, not the rule. Certainly nothing wrong with being single. But, but it, I'm, I'm, I'm bothered at times as a pastor to watch how late our young men are turning the corner into marriage. I want them to be excited about marriage, to have it as a primary goal, to find the love of their life and love that woman for a lifetime, and then bear children together and, and set up a home. A man ought to manage his home well. I'm, I'm going to be preaching on 1 Timothy 3. And, and Paul says that the leader of the church ought to manage his home well and have his children in subjection. Um, men ought to provide and protect. Uh, I, I'll quickly go down some other things, and you can jump okay. on these in a moment. Ought, a man ought to aspire to serve the church. Well, the elder aspires to be an elder. And if he's the model, men ought to aspire to, to serve the church in some capacity. I, I thought about this little phrase, Scott, in the Old Testament, about the elders that sit at the city gates. And, and again, men ought to be the vanguard of their communities. They ought to be in the community, guarding it morally, guarding it militarily, and, and, and all of that. Back to your thought, men ought to act courageously. 
Uh, it's not that my daughters aren't brave. It's not that my wife uh, isn't brave. I was there when she delivered uh, our daughters, and, and that takes a lot of courage <laughs> and physical strength. I get it. And sometimes strength shows up in other ways. But I think men are just have a physical capacity and an innate uh, aggression that once it's controlled, they can act bravely and courageously. Paul tells the Corinthians, um, be brave, but the Greek really is act like man. Mm-hmm. The, the manhood and bravery are synonymous, and and uh, you know um, you know we've got to promote that. You could talk about that. A man's got to display wisdom and life skill, um, and a man's got to disciple the next generation. I could go on, yeah. but those were those were some of the highlights that just began to appear in my mind as I thought about passages and verses. And and Scott, if you even think about that less, that's going to take you and me and, and your boys a lifetime to reach for. There's something about that, though, and and I'm speaking as a man, and I think somehow we're conditioned maybe in society that if we're going to talk about men, that somehow that's inherently uh, putting women down, which is not what this is. We believe men and women are different, and it's okay to talk about men. And we experience that. You you know, other people have said this, but I've experienced it doing weddings. You know, if you go to meet with the groom and his groomsmen, they are probably making fun of him. You know, I can't believe that a girl like Christy would marry a fat pig like you, Scott. You know what? That feels good to me. That's camaraderie. I like that. But if you go over to the bride's room and the maids of honor are saying, I don't understand how a fat pig like you would, uh, why Scott would marry a pig like you, she'd they'd end the friendship. Like, it would be horrific. And that's just an, an innate difference that is okay. And, and look, Scott, let yeah. me jump in. I, I can come up with a list just oh, yeah. as long for women. That's this right. This is not about oh, yeah. what I get to do and what they don't get to do. <laughs> That's right. This is, a, this is about um, – I love that phrase in Acts 13 about David. And David served his generation by the will of God. Mm. And, and God has a will and a design for men in their masculinity, just as God has a will and a design for women in their femininity. And I would say this, um, any right-thinking woman um, uh, w- would want men to be this, because when a man is this, women prosper. When a man is this, women are protected. When a man is this, they're not abused. They're loved. They're not used. They're served. And so there, I will in no way be embarrassed to speak about, hey, here's what God has called me as a man to be apart from my wife. And I'm going to pursue that. And if, and my wife will want me to pursue that. My daughters, I hope, are thankful I am pursuing that because they are the beneficiaries. That's right. Because in God's economy, while we share down at our core and down at our essence, we're the same. Um, but but in, in physicality and function and emotion and other things, there are distinct differences, but differences are to be celebrated. I That's mean, right. uh, you know, the thing I love about the United States is its diversity, the, the different cultures that, that I didn't encounter as much in Ireland, and I'm the better for that. So when Diversity can be a good thing when when um, it, it it allows people to bring to others what they either have an experience or are are not. But no, we we've got to get back to just again not letting the culture. Again, to your point, this is a mantra all the time. 
um, you know, uh, and but it, but it's a lie. Yeah. Um, you know, men are and men are dominating, men are domineering, and women are suffering. Uh, if you read Owen Strahan's book, he's got he's got um, five or six areas early on in the book, Scott, where he talks about men struggling. It's actually the opposite. Men are struggling today. Men are losing. Women are winning. I'm not against women winning in in the good sense of that. Mm-hmm. But boy, we we've got to stop listening to this deception because remember there are forces that are not good, that are behind this mantra of, you know, the future is feminine, down with the patriarchy, men are bad, men are violent, uh, uh, women are suffering. Those Uh, things all have a meaning that are impactful. we got to take a break, uh, Phil. My guest is Pastor Phil DeCourcy, and the uh, N-Trust 2023 Men's Conference is coming up. You can register online at ntrustconference.org. i got to take a break. We'll be back with Pastor Philip DeCourcy as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. Good to be with you. My guest is Pastor Philip DeCourcy and uh, coming up at uh, Kindred Church, where he is the pastor and uh, he is the men's conference. It is called, um, where did I lose it here? It's, uh, what's the name of your conference? Entrust. The War on Man. Entrust. The, yeah, entrustconference.org is the website. The War on Men. So we're talking about biblical masculinity within the church, and that's what the conference will be about. It's November 16th. And at 8.30, and it's sold out at the church, but you can do it online. Just go to entrustconference.org. Philip, it is, when we think about men, what are some of the things that that men are really struggling with, and how do we overcome that? Yeah, and again, back to what we said in the first segment, I just want us to be aware there's a five-alarm you know, um, going on, uh, a fire going on in, in our culture that we need to be aware of, and it's destroying man, and it's burning down masculinity and manhood. And uh, again, uh, the, the, I, I'm borrowing some of these insights from a book I highly recommend, The War on Men. We're giving it away for free on Thursday at the conference written by uh, Owen Strahan, published by Salem Books. But Owen, I'm not going to get into statistics, Scott, but he talks about men are struggling economically. Um, They are falling out of the workforce Mm. at, 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 you know, historic rates. Uh, Young men are living in the basement of their parents with they're adrift. They've got no purpose. They've got no passion. They've got no designs on careers or, or things they want to achieve. And, um, you know, that's that's tragic given the fact that we said one of the things man was called to do in that masculine, in that original mandate back in the Garden of Eden was tend the garden and guard it. Yeah, that's right. And the word tend there means to work, to cultivate it. Man, were created in the image of a working God. Jesus said, my father works and I work. And and so men ought to be, you know, strong, diligent, honest, you know, uh, workers. And and you know that's that's a feeling in in the culture. That's partly on the culture. It's partly on <clears throat> on on the home. 
and it's partly unmanned, just seems to have, you know, uh, embraced the leisure culture uh, and, and, you know, are not willing to kind of go out into the wilderness and, and, and uh, you know, carve out uh, their, their little parcel of land uh, for their family and yeah. for their future. E- educationally, men are failing. Um, I mean, um, women are graduating with more degrees in our universities than men. Boys are falling out of high school at greater rates. I mean, think about even your modern university campus. They have women's departments, but they don't have men's departments. And even I look back on my schooling, though I grew up in the UK, you know, the, the schooling I grew up in, Scott, there was... There was, um, you know, work, woodwork shops. There was metalwork shops. You could learn welding. You could learn technical drawing. Even the school system was set up to kind of encourage some of those masculine traits mm. and 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 the pursuit of jobs that in in not in all cases but in many cases just suited uh, just the DNA of a man. Men are feeling spiritually. I yeah. mean, just one area Owen gets into pornography. Is just tearing up men's lives, bringing them to a point of enslavement and, and discouragement and defeat rather than living as victorious disciples of Jesus Christ. I mean, how can you lead from your front foot in discipling your wife and your child when you yourself are living a life of hypocrisy? Right. Physically, men are feeling um, their their health is falling. <laughs> it's interesting, even in the arena of testosterone, Owen shows statistic that man's hand grip is not as strong in this generation as it was a generation ago. Just uh, men are, are, are struggling emotionally. The suicide rates uh, among men are skyrocketing. And, and socially, they're struggling with aloneness. Some are getting involved in violence and crime. And then parentally, they're struggling um, because of the epidemic of fatherlessness yeah. where guys have no benchmark, no model. Uh, they can't, you can't be what you've never seen. And, and they've never seen good man, uh, good manhood and godly manhood modeled before them. So those are just, I mean, I'm only skidding across the surface there, but men are struggling, Scott, in all of these areas in ways I don't think we have awakened to, nor have we appropriately appreciated. We are in a crisis of manhood. Um, men don't need to be attacked. Men need to be encouraged and called back to what God has called them for. You know, I think that men, in some way, men are learning just in general in the culture, understanding that there's a crisis here. And that's why there's some, you know, there's some online leaders who are men who are you know, I don't want to say some of their names because some of them I think are not leading in the right way because they'll they'll even glorify pornography or some other things. They're not Christian, but there are some who are are very bold, and I think it's good that men are going after that in the church. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if yeah. you look at it, I mean, that's why you know Andrew Tate has got such a following because yeah. of the vacuum. That's right. Uh, there, there's things he encourages that that appeal to man. Yeah. On the other hand, as Christians, he defines masculinity in a way we don't. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and so there is a vacuum. Men are looking for benchmarks and, and trademarks of masculinity, and it's up to us as the church. And certainly, yeah. I take this on myself as a pastor. I, I want to provide environments for that so that they don't 
get what we, we I think Owen Strachan calls a guy like Andrew Tate the exaggerated man. Right. There's the soft man. There's the angry man. He's got several types of men. And then you've got the Andrew Tate, so the exaggerated man. So there's some traits we like that he's promoting, but then he exaggerates them. They're not, they're not subjected to the Lordship of Christ or the authority of the word. And they are not, they are not, you know, brought under self-control, but they become exaggerated, which in itself is is a solution that in itself becomes its own problem. That's right. So what can churches do to combat this, to to celebrate men and masculinity as it ought to be, but not go so far, like in the Andrew Tate direction, you know, or some other directions, but to be able to have uh, a biblical Christ-like understanding of, of masculinity, celebrate that, like you said, uh, be courageous, victorious with it. I think that's yeah. something that men desire, and the depression that we have sometimes is because that is just beaten out of us, I think, so much. How does the church deal with this? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just speak out of my own experience and what we're trying to do, imperfectly for sure, at Kindred. It starts with leadership. We're committed to a complementarian view of Scripture, so we believe that the primary leaders of the church ought to be men and men only. And so at Kindred Community Church, all our elders are men, all our pastors are men, uh, all our deacons are men. And so in a sense, visually and vocally, when you come to Kindred, it's a masculine voice you hear. Um, and, 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 and I think that does something in and of itself for men who come to our church. And, and they, and they are constantly being confronted by we trust our godly men, giving them godly examples. And look, and those men will celebrate femininity. They will, and they will speak of how men ought to treat women. And we will also create environments in our church, which we do for women's ministry and teaching women and, and wanting our, our women, as I have three daughters, to excel in the areas God has called them to, then to preach on it. I, I um, you know, I, I purposely a while ago went through Titus because of the emphasis on masculine leadership in chapter 1. And then I loved Titus 2, speaking to older women, speaking to younger women, speaking to older men, speaking to younger men, and just camped on those passages. So I've taken time to speak on that, those things. We have a man's breakfast once a month that I jealously guard. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you have, to, you have to fight me for the pulpit at our man's breakfast once a month, get about 300 guys uh, on a regular basis. And again, that's a series that I try and turn in, uh, you know, to address issues that I think both appeal to men and men need to hear. Believe me, you know, uh, we don't go soft on our men. We go hard on them. We call them to the high calling of masculinity, to uh, exercise loving, sacrificial servant leadership, to be bold, to be brave, to be warriors in the community, um, to serve in the military, to celebrate, um, you know, all of that. And and we, and then we create some environments that, and again, I realize it's a little bit of a stereotype. I'll acknowledge that. But even in that context, you know, our mm. guys go motorbiking together. They do some shooting. They yeah. do some fishing. I know there's some guys don't do that, but the majority of guys do. They like to do something like that, so it doesn't have yeah. to be one thing or the other. But, you know, we just have a, a couple of minutes left, uh, Pastor. Tell us about your dad. You know, is there a story that you, you know, remember about your dad that taught you about being a man? Well, here's what I'll say about my dad. Just recently, maybe a year or two ago, I was back home in Northern Ireland. My dad's 90. 
Um, a, a blue collar worker worked in a factory his whole life. Uh, besides seeing him in a Sunday suit, I saw him more often in a pair of dirty overalls as he worked in a in a tobacco factory. Um, but but we were I was coming home with a friend in the car. It was late at night, about eight or nine o'clock, and we noticed the silhouette of this man. And it, and it turned out it was my dad coming up from his little Baptist church, heading home with his Bible in his hand. And Freddie, my friend, said, he's a pastor, he said, your dad's a solid man. Hmm. And, and, and my dad is a solid man. I, 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 that's, that's the story I'll tell. But I've watched him, you know, leave early in the morning and come home, hardly take a sick day. He showed me a work ethic. He, 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 uh, was proud of his work, even as a working man. There was dignity in work for him. Yeah. Um, he loved my mom over a lifetime. He raised his children and provided for them. He had us in church. He disciplined us, um, physically when we did wrong. Um, yet he loved on us. And, and, and when I'd say that here's the other thing I'd say and, and wrap this up. Um, my dad was blue collar, unskilled, as you might say. And uh, not that I ever, saw that as a demeaning characteristic. He's a... Right. A, 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 Let's have a few a, seconds. You know, yeah. And and so I went into an engineering economy, became an engineer, skilled, and I became an apprentice the year. And and my mom told me on the quiet, my dad wasn't always vocal. He said, she said, Philip, your dad's so proud of you because you become something he never was. And in that hmm. statement, again, is the selflessness of that him in his generation wanting to better my generation yeah. and celebrating that we're leaping forward and and wherever we stand in life we're standing on the shoulders of yep. of our fathers and good men who have Philip, lifted I, us up i to gotta achieve. go to break it's such a good story but i gotta go to break the war on men conference is building biblical masculinity within the church and uh, you can go online and watch it at Entrust conference that's november 16th this thursday at 8 30 a.m pastor philip de we have so much more to talk about uh, thank you for joining me today on the pastor scott show i know you got to go hey scott thank you always janice with your time i love being on the show with you and thank you for what you're doing we'll have you again soon we'll be back stay tuned you're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation. 888-528-2557. We had Pastor Philip DeCourcy on the uh, first part of this hour. You know, there's so much more. He had to go. There's so much more to talk about. And the subject of men and how men are doing in culture today, it is very significant. And, you know, guys out there and, and ladies, you know, if you are you know, married or you've got boys out there, I know that you're concerned about different things. And as a dad, I'll tell you what, I'm emotional about this uh, recently because I have two sons. And, uh, you know, my wife, uh, she grew up with uh, four sisters and one brother. And actually, all of them were older than her. So she didn't really grow up with most of them in the, the household. And most of her closest relationships with her siblings are, are with the uh, sisters. And, uh, you know, so she's in a very masculine house, Christy is. <laughs> for her right two boys a husband uh, and uh and uh, even a a dog named uh, Winston who also was a boy 
And uh, that's that's our world kind of in, in the home. And uh, she learned some things. But as a dad, I start to reflect on what's coming and to try to ask my my kids about this. What do you think about it? When we talk about men, what are the things that you'd like to see men be able to do in the church, in the culture? You know, there are certain things that men in the Bible, we see them. We see them, for example, at the city gate, that they are the people who are taking care of the community. And it isn't that women can't do that or be involved in that. It doesn't mean that at all. I feel like there is also a sense in our world today that we always have to sort of make an apology for even things that we're not talking about just because we want to talk about men for a while and what men ought to do. And Pastor uh, Philip DeCourcy was talking about the men who are kind of dropping out even of the culture and sometimes living at home and stuff. It's not that living at home, many of you are probably living at home because it's cheaper, but you have a full-time job and you're working your way out of it, right? There's but there's a different kind of man who is just has no ambition, no goals in life. You know, guys, if you are listening, you probably at some point in your life, maybe you still do, and you're you're thinking uh, you had some kind of dreams, some kind of thing you wanted to accomplish, some kind of imaginary moment that maybe when you were playing little league you dreamed about or other things. You're you're not all going to play major league baseball, obviously. You know, I was watching uh, these clips from World Series games and you know, some of the greatest hits in World Series games. And one of them was when uh, Joe Carter of the Toronto Blue Jays hit a World Series winning home run. I think it was 92 or 93 for the Blue Jays. And, you know, his excitement running around the bases, and he's probably a 30-something-year-old man, right? And he's jumping up and down and throwing his arms up in the air like a little kid. You know, we won the championship my first year in Little League when I was 11. I didn't start Little League Baseball until I was 11 years old. And we won the championship. And it was a real championship, right? We we played hard and we were dirty and it was stressful and uh, it was great. And when we won, we threw our gloves in the air and we jumped around like we had won the World Series. And I watched those clips and I go, these full-grown men are doing the same thing. And most of us aren't going to have that opportunity. And who dreams of hitting a you know home run in that? But you know what, the the man that you know and the men listening, at some point there is something like that that we jump for joy about. There is something about that that we, um, it, it you know, whether it's just something to dream about or something that we would look forward in life, the victories matter. The ability to have courage and to push through a hard time a hard season in our life, something that's hard. It matters. That's something that we've lost. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm remembering a, a speech that John F. Kennedy made. And he was talking about going to the moon. And I think it's the same speech where he said, we're going to go to the moon in 10 years. People thought he was crazy. By the end of the decade, or the decade, as he said, we're going to go to the moon. And that was such a great challenge. But in that speech, he said, we choose to do these things because they are hard. And I thought, that, how would a big change that we were a nation where the leader of the nation said, we're going to accomplish this because it is hard. And yeah, getting to the moon by 1969, which we accomplished, by the way. And most people, just looking at human behavior and how bureaucracy works and all of that, most people think that we would have never made it had to the moon, maybe never, but certainly not by the end of the decade, if he hadn't set that time limit on it. And he said, we choose to do these things because they are hard. 
You know, and I think for men, you can tell me if you don't agree, 888-528-2557, or if you do agree, there is something great. And and women, you probably think this too in, in a similar way, maybe different things. But we are so much better off as human beings when we accomplish things that are hard, when we choose to do things because they are hard, that we want to. I think that is a place for us to think about as and when we think about the men in our culture this time, this has been in my mind when I'm watching these protests go on, when I'm thinking about what's happening in our schools. And uh, we, I might have mentioned this, I can't remember now if it was on the air or if it was during the break, but uh, we talked about how it's so many, so often it's women who are up front speaking, even at these rallies, even if it's over the wrong side, there's a lot of women doing that. And it's the women who are at the school boards. I mean, some of the people who I think are heroes for our kids right now, we've had on our show. And great women, great moms. And some of it is because dads are busy, right? We're working uh, 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And uh, although sometimes uh, women are doing that too and they're still showing up, we need to show up and be courageous more. And we need to encourage each other to do this. And in doing that, we're not discouraging women to not do this. But we have a role to play. We have something that is significant uh, for men, and I think it helps men because the statistics, it's even physiological. I think porn has a lot to do with it. Porn has a lot to do with it, but there's also a culture of denigrating men. And I read a story today that talked about how just generally speaking, it's a weird thing, right? But sperm count is down, right? Testosterone levels are down in men, like of all ages. And there is something physiologically that is even changing, that is happening to men. And when this happens, uh, it is, it's not good for culture. It's not good ultimately for family or kids or women um, altogether. 888-528-2557 is the number. Paul in Westminster, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi. Hi, Paul. Uh, when it comes to doing something big, yeah, uh, like that, uh, in fact, there's a book called that one shot. But uh, you got to choose your enemies. You got to choose the product project wisely, otherwise, and also take steps to where you can have uh, people around you that know who you are and believe in the project, because otherwise they'll just cut you off like they did to Kennedy. You know, because he had other things going on besides the moonshot. Right, and, but in that particular he, thing, he did. You know, it outlived him, obviously the the vision for that. But I think what you're saying is right. He had people around him who uh, believed in it also. And obviously they felt like it was worth pursuing because the technology was uh, within reach. And and also he developed a health institution called Health. And I was a part of that when I was in the service. Hmm. So I was there at the school where he, less than 24 hours later, after he did the opening, that's when he passed away. Right about that, and that's uh, we have a that's the anniversary coming up here uh, next week of that. What is it? Uh, Seventy years? Is yeah. that right? Yeah, seven eighty yeah. seventy years. Yeah, United States for Aerospace Medicine. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and a lot came from that. So many things came from that, and that's part of what I'm saying here is that when we're ambitious, you got and what you said also, Paul is right. We got to be wise. We can't just say you know we're going to land on Pluto next year. That doesn't make any sense. Um, right. But you have to be wise, but don't be afraid to be courageous or even to fail, because even out of failure, a lot of things can benefit. 
you know, yeah. uh, by stepping out there. Uh, Paul. Yeah, my complaint is go, to put up a challenge for the for homeschool people. Say that again. My, I'm going to write uh, like a memoir and put up the challenges and the knowledge that uh, some groups of people are trying to hide from people. So that's all I'll say. All right. Paul, thank you for calling the Pastor Scott Show. Appreciate that. And, you know, maybe that is a decision that you've got to make. And we're talking about men here, but I know that there's women who have the opportunity or the necessity to do something courageous, particularly if you're a single mom or something. But, you know, we do better as human beings when we are courageous, when we we don't say that this is something that's not possible, and when we are wise about it, but we take the steps to really do what is necessary to get things done. And we can. I'm afraid that we, that's, I guess, in, in partly I'm thinking about this as a father, but as a man who's not old, right, in the sense of I'm going to be around a long time, if the Lord wills it that way, there's more to accomplish. There's more to do in this arena where we have to be at the city gates and where we have to be, we just cannot be silent about the suffering that is growing around us and that we are bringing upon ourselves because we are living in a culture that pushes things that aren't even true, that are obviously not true. Um, I was listening to all these uh, people chant and stuff at these uh, rallies, and and the one in Washington this weekend was so anti-West. It wasn't as much anti-Israel or anti-Jew. It was anti-the West. And I thought, you people have no idea what you're asking for. You're asking for a nation that doesn't have the freedom to do what you're doing right now. Do you have any idea that that's what you're asking for? I'm not sure that they do. We have to stand up against that. And as guys, we got to stand up for the gospel. That's what we got to do. All right, got to take a break. Pastor Scott Show. You can follow me at Pastor Scott Show in social media, or you can get the podcast. Look for the Pastor Scott Show wherever you get your podcasts. Hour number two, we'll be right back. Stay tuned. 